Well, good morning. It's August. Can you believe it? And August, uh, August is a busy month for everyone with summer winding down and school winding up. Right, kids? Yeah. And um, August is a busy month at West Bulls, too. And guess what? Okay, I need more than that. Guess what? <laughs> That's too much. We have, our, we have ready our cool little invitation cards for you to pass around to people in the community. Remember those? Yeah, I remember them. You see uh, one of them up on the screen. That's the front side. And on the back of the card, they list a few of the things going on at West Bowls in August. And I tell you, they give us a great opportunity, a great way to invite people to come and visit. We first did this around Easter if you recall, and the feedback that I got from you is that it's something you had a lot of fun doing, so we're going to keep doing it. And it's great that you have fun doing it because those daunting statistics clearly show, although these aren't daunting, this is the good part, people are just waiting to be asked to church. The daunting side of those statistics is that very, very few church-going people, such as yourselves, uh, ever bother to ask anyone to stop by. And, well, that's just a shame, it seems to me. But it's something that can, we can very easily fix. Just ask. So, grab some cards after the service, will you? The ushers will have plenty in the lobby. Take some and, and have fun passing them around. You can get creative and how you pass them around. Yesterday I stopped at Walmart. I gave one to the Walmart guy at the register and invited him to come by, and he appreciated being asked. Go figure. Another, yes, Joe, I know. It was okay. And uh, another time I gave one to our waitress. Um, if I try to have some in my pocket at all times. And, and you know, while face-to-face, -face, I think, is always best, I, you can do what I did once, leave a card with the salt and pepper, you know, at the restaurants and, and let God worry about getting that card into someone's hands or maybe tape a card, tape a card, uh, you know, uh, on your mailbox next to all those signs, you know, for Fluffy the Missing Cat. That's something you could do. I, I don't know. The possibilities are endless for how you pass out these cards, right? You know, throw them from airplanes. I don't care. But no matter how we do it, let's do it, shall we? Do not underestimate. Do not underestimate how a smile and an invitation and just giving a little card might impact someone and just show them that they are indeed invited and welcome to come and stop by. And who knows? Maybe they decide to stop by and they find a friend. Or they encounter God in music or message or, or even in you. Astounding, I know. Or maybe they even discovered Jesus. Oh, wouldn't that be cool? And all because you took a few seconds, really, to smile and offer a card. So please, grab some cards, have fun passing them around. At least one card in the next week. Can I get that commitment from you? At least one. Can you each do one? Yes. You say, we will, we promise. All right, that's pretty easy to say, isn't it? Let's make it harder. And only say it if you mean it, okay? You say, I will. I promise. I will. 
Oh, now you've done it. All right, go for it and enjoy it and just see what God will do. And since August especially seems to me to be a time for new back-to-school schedules, I thought I'd share the upcoming sermon schedule through the end of the year. It's um, always a work in progress, but here's where I am at present. Beginning this morning, we're going to spend three weeks talking about the joy we just sung about. More on that in a minute. And then on August 28, we're going to combine again our celebrations of baptism and communion. I thought that was so powerful the last time that we combined those two community events, so we'll do it again. And then on Labor Day weekend, the following week on September 4, I'd like to share with you one of my favorite Bible stories all time, The Widow's Mite, or The Widow's Offering from Mark 12 and Luke 21, I believe. And then beginning on September 11, we'll spend part of that service remembering 9-11. It's been 10 years already. Can you believe that, since our lives all changed significantly? And then for the rest of that morning, we'll begin a series, a brief series on the book of James. Following that series, we'll do something a bit different. We're calling it, You Asked For It. And John Burns will post on our church website a place for you to tell me and tell us what things in particular are on your hearts and minds. What's going on in your life? What do you wonder about? And I'll plan a series around your input. Ooh, should be interesting. We'll let you know when that website's ready for your input sometime in the next few weeks. And that should just about bring us to Christmas after a a give thanks message right before Thanksgiving. I'm thinking of doing a Christmas series on something um, I've wanted to preach on for a while, and that's on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Those three ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future beg for a sermon each, it seems to me, together with what's at the heart of of Dickens' amazing story, which just happens to be at the heart of Christmas as well. Go figure. And finally, please note that uh, Christmas is on a Sunday this year. We'll indeed uh, have a service Christmas morning at 10 o'clock. We'll keep that hour tight because we know you have other things going on. But please make your plans to join us Christmas morning. We don't often get that chance to be all together on Christmas and Please note that we'll also have a full service on Christmas Eve. Probably two services, actually. Christmas Eve is going to be a different service than the one on Christmas morning, but we'll all be here with praise, music, and message, something special and fun and very meaningful, Lord willing. It's going to be the grandest Christmas Eve celebration, I think, we've ever had here at West Bowl, so you won't want to miss it. I know it's always August. I know it's only August, but... If you're like me and you're like us, Christmas Eve's a time of family things too, so we just wanted to get that info out to you even this early. So when it comes time to think about Christmas Eve and Christmas, hopefully, if at all possible, you can plan your time around an hour with this family here too on those days. We're not sure yet of the Christmas Eve times, but we'll get that out to you soon. So... That's the service, Sunday service game plan currently on my heart and mine the next five months, and now it can be on your heart and mine's too, uh, and in your prayers. 
Lots of good stuff coming. Maybe you might invite someone to come and check it out. Or here we have invitation cards. Okay. All right. Speaking of Christmas, a word often associated with Christmas is our topic this morning. And that word is joy. The dictionary defines joy as the emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. Joy is great pleasure or elation. Wow, even saying those words, it's like, now there's something I want. Great delight and happiness and satisfaction and great pleasure and elation. Sign me up. Where can I find this joy? And I would imagine all of you, I mean, don't we all want joy? I love that word elation in joy's definition. Isn't that a great word? Can you remember a time when you were elated? I tried to make a list of things this week about when are times in my life that I, were re- that I was elated. First two things that came immediately to my mind when I tried to list times in my life where I was elated, the very first one that came to my mind was my wedding day and my wedding night. Although for us it was really the second night because we were both just exhausted and maybe a little nervous and now I'm sharing way too much information. (laughs) So, So my wedding day was the very first thing that came to mind when when I thought, when was I elated in my life? The other one I remembered right away, and it's really three, but they're similar, were those those three moments when I heard Ben and Danny and Peter for the very first time when they were born. I can still remember those cries. And I, I, I remember the emotion. I was elated, just filled with joy. You remember times like that in your life where you just feel elated? Maybe you don't even know why. God just gives you that push, that emotion, and you're just, you're just up. You're elated, and you just feel delighted. Would you like to capture that? Feel that, um, that breathless excitement all the time, that happiness that's just right there bursting in you. Oh, sign me up. Where can we find that joy? Because joy, joy is sometimes, maybe even most of the time, very, very hard to find, isn't it? Living in a fallen world that includes So much junk, so much hardship and struggle, disease and sickness and death and relational struggle with God and with with other people. And even even that that day-to-day just dealing with and, and living with our own stuff, our own issues and our own problems and fears and uncertainties. Around um, 
around our house these days, joy is, is, is harder to find because Ben's leaving for college soon. <laughs> and that's hard because we'll miss him. That's been heavy on our hearts all summer, and I'm really struggling to find joy with the weight of that. It's hard, isn't it? To find elation, to find joy when we feel heavy with something. And I'm sure if we asked everyone here this morning we'd end up with a very long list of reasons why joy is hard to find sometimes. There are many good reasons not to be happy, many good reasons why joy is very, very hard to find. Where can I find this elusive joy? The Bible talks about joy too, talks about it a lot. And at first read, what the Bible says about joy can strike even those of us who aren't cynical as impossible. The Apostle Paul sums up the Bible's message on joy this way. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And life experience tells us that 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 little word always seems impossible. Rejoice always. Always. You got to be kidding, Paul. Okay, Paul, we get it. You mean rejoice as much as possible. Paul, you're using one of those literary devices. You're overstating it to to make a point about joy. You couldn't possibly literally mean always, Paul, right? You can't possibly mean that a person can be happy all the time. I mean, Paul, we we medicate those happy all the time people. (laughs) That's Crazy, happy all the time, Paul? That's impossible. You know, the Bible's like that, have you noticed? It speaks in absolutes. Absolutes that can hit us as, well, that's impossible. The God of the Bible is a God of absolutes. You ever notice that? He doesn't go part way. It's always all the way. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. The Bible also tells us to always have hope, to pray continually, to be always giving thanks, and to keep all God's commands always. Would Scripture set such high standards if they weren't possible? Jesus even repeats to us what God once said to Abraham. Be perfect. 
Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, he said. And consider that matter of love. Does anyone argue that we should love sometimes, but not all the time? Or what about freedom? According to Jesus, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free to run, free to dance. I wonder if that freedom to dance and all that dancing in the Bible is, has a relationship to joy. I mean, if you dance and your heart's in it, it's hard not to feel joy, right? I mean, you can just kind of go through the motions. You do angry dancing. I don't know. Do you want a little bit of freedom? Or do you want to be free indeed? Scripture is clear. The kingdom of God is not for sometimes, but for always. And it's in that overwhelming, absolutely always biblical context that Paul adds, rejoice in the Lord always. God wants us to be joyful indeed, rejoicing in him always. And if we tend to get stuck on that word always, if our hearts sink at how impossible that sounds, we need to remember something about all those always and alls in the Bible, something the Bible presumes. In the case of joy, Paul puts it this way. We cannot overlook that key phrase, in the Lord. And not just on Sundays. It's okay, we'd be joyful in the Lord. Come on Sundays. Okay, I can feel joy and the music gets going and I see something and I feel God's spirit and community and, and, and I'm joyful. So I'm rejoicing in the Lord. And then somehow as we go through our week, it's like, well, maybe I'm rejoicing in the Lord, but it just, I, I don't feel it as much, or, 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 or it doesn't show as if it's categorized somehow. Nowhere does the Bible say we need to do anything in our own strength. There is nothing God requires of us in our own strength. That'd be cruel for God to expect people to be happy apart from him. But in the Lord, in his strength, why not? Even always. That word rejoice gives us a hint to that path to finding joy. It's rejoice. The prefix re means again or back. You see, our joy doesn't originate with us. Instead, we're like an echo of joy, reverberating with God's joy and, and, and sending it back to him. Rejoice in the Lord always. We echo God's joy to others too. And the joy of the Lord, that source of joy, is tireless. It's relentless. You can never exhaust it. It's always there. It's a little bit like that relationship between a, uh, a dad and a young child and the, the, the little child squealing with delight, 
do it again, Daddy. To which our heavenly Daddy replies heartily, yeah, let's do it again and again and again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And who wouldn't be overjoyed with a God who, according to 2 Peter, as Peter says it, has given us everything we need for life and godliness. We spoke of Christmas earlier this morning in the words of a a very old Christmas carol, why should men on earth be so sad since our Redeemer made us glad? Or you know, you know many of these Christmas songs, tidings of comfort and, or how about this, a good Christian men, or of course, joy to the world. Wow, there's a lot of joy going on around Christmas. Rejoice in the Lord always. Why not always? Yes, there are many good reasons not to be happy in life. But for this series, we're not going to dwell there. We'll touch on it, but we're not going to dwell there in this mini-series on joy. Instead, I'd like to challenge us all, and this is a real challenge for me too, I'd like to challenge us all as we reflect on joy this month to to throw off the worries and the complaints and the fear and those things that make it hard to be happy. Try to throw those off, and in Jesus' words, Come and share our master's happiness. For the next few weeks, at least, would you dare with me to hope that we can rejoice in the Lord always? And if we find that we're not doing that, either individually or collectively, then, my friends, we need to plead with God and beg God and with God's help and open ourselves into rediscovering God's gift of always joy because the message of God's joy needs repeating in this dark world. We need to hear about joy and see it and feel it. And so do others again and again and again. Do you remember where Paul was when he wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Do you remember where he was? He's chained to a wall in in a dungeon. (laughs) Do you think Paul discovered this always joy despite circumstances before eagerly inviting us to find it too? Oh, let's dare to hope that we can rediscover God's gift of joy, his gift of always joy, no matter what. Wouldn't that be great? Dare with me. Triple dog dare with me. (laughs) Speaking of Christmas, if you don't know the video, see me afterward. Will you dare with me this month that we can, you can individually, And that we can together, that we can rejoice in the Lord always. 
And we can dare to dare this, my friends, because the answer to the question of where do we find this always joy, this delight, this happiness, this satisfaction, this elation that just sort of is there, where can we find that all the time? We dare to dare we can because the answer to that question is the best possible answer ever. We find this always joy in the Lord. I spent um, a couple of days this week up in the mountains with the youth group. Two days was all I could take. (laughs) Not really. I wish I could have stayed longer. Fifty teens were able to go this year. And let me tell you what. Those kids know rejoice. I was reminded again that there is this exuberance connected with kids. I was reminded again this morning. Did you see that? Did you see the exuberance in the two singers? Where did that little soldier go? I was going to see if she wanted to preach the message. There's exuberance in youth. And you know what? Us older folks, we can learn from them about joy. Yeah, we post-teens can rejoice too, but if you're like me, you sometimes get caught labeling joy as childish or immature. And yes, joy needs to be shaped by the seriousness of life. In fact, As we'll see next week, that's where God creates joy. Joy rises up strongest out of the serious and tougher things of life, which was what makes it so fantastic. But still, there's an important call that God often gives us, I think, especially through our kids, that call to stay young at heart, to stay like children before our Father in heaven, who Jesus reminds us we need to be like if we want to participate fully in the kingdom of God. And a huge part of that is to keep that youthful capacity for joy alive and well and vibrant and growing and and not to rationalize its loss to growing up. How many people do you know? How many people do you know who the very first word that comes to your mind when you think of their name, is joyful. Do you have those people in your life? I tried to make a list where literally when I thought, this person, right next to their name, joyful. I came up with two or three people where I thought joyful was right next to their name. If we polled Americans, even if we polled the world, who do you think they'd say was the number one joyful person they could think of? If we played Family Feud and asked 100 people, name a joyful person, what would the number one answer do you think be? Survey says? Any guesses? Mom, that's a great guess. Hmm. Do you know what I think someone who at least would appear on the big board? Santa Claus. Yeah, someone who said I was going to say Santa Claus. See, isn't that fascinating? Before you say, well, sure, he gives presents. 
Well, God gives presents too, far better ones. And, and it's fascinating, isn't it, that Santa is pictured as joyful, a jolly old elf, right? Even though he has a naughty list. You know, God doesn't have a naughty list. He's got a book of life with names written in it. And if you want to be written in that book, he just says, hey, I'd like to be written in that book. Sure, how do you spell it? It's called grace. But Santa has a naughty list, because that's Santa, right? Do good, get good. Do bad, get a lump of coal. Get nothing. But Santa gets the joyful label nonetheless. Yeah. Seems to me, when it, when it comes to joy... Christians ought to come out ahead of a big works-based righteousness elf, don't you think? I remember, I remember when I was just a, a little boy, a teacher once taught me the ten joyful commandments. Many of you, I'm sure, many have heard of the other ten commandments of Exodus and Deuteronomy, and, and there's joy in those commandments too, I know, but do you know do you know the 10 joyful commandments of Psalm 100? What's often overlooked in this, however, very well-known psalm is that it is entirely written in the form of commands. And there are 10 of them, huh? 10 commandments in Exodus, 10 commandments in Psalm 10 times 10. Probably just a coincidence. No. <laughs> and they are ten joyful commandments. Check it out. And I'll invite us all to memorize this psalm for this series. That's your memory work this month, Psalm 100. You can do it. Read through it every day and you'll have it by the end of the month. No problem. Guarantee it. Here are the ten joyful commandments of Psalm 100. In fact, would you please stand and I'm going to ask you to repeat them after me. And your job, your task, my hope, my invitation, my exhortation, my command, repeat them joyfully, would you? Otherwise, it's kind of lame. <laughs> See, there's far more, far more here going on than personalities or worship styles. I've seen, I'm sure you have too, the most melancholy or sad personalities be joyful and be loudly joyful. In fact, the more sad when joy hits, the more, the more joyful. But now I'm straying into next week. And as far as personal worship styles go, I get that. I get that from people. I say, well, I, I just worship different. You know, I, I like to worship quietly and and maybe all of us, from time to time, like to be and prefer to be still before the Lord. And that's great. I'm not here to criticize or to try to change someone's worship style. But you can't help but notice, can you? In places like that final block of Psalms, when praise and thanksgiving and joy are given free reign, 
Well, it's loud. There's noise. There's a holy ruckus going on. Symbols, and for emphasis, the writer adds, loud clashing symbols. And every instrument under the sun playing away. In Psalm 150 alone, trumpets, harps, lyres, whatever they are, tambourines, strings, flutes, cymbals, and then added to all that is some dancing in Psalm 150, go figure. And then this last one, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So are you ready? Can we give it all we got? Even if we don't really feel like it this morning, if you wait till you feel like it, you may miss it. One author I was reading this week made an insightful comment, I thought. He said, joy is like a muscle, and the more you exercise it, the stronger it grows. I remember a couple of years ago, my brother-in-law, David, read a study that said, if you just plaster a smile on your face, even if you don't feel like it, and you keep it there all day, eventually you're going to be happy. (laughs) Seriously, so David did this. He tried this for a whole day. And you know what? His report back is, it, it worked. You ever notice that very young children have trouble smiling for the camera? Like the little ones, even toddlers? You say, smile, and you get, the, and you get kind of this thing. George still does that, he just said. So you put the camera down. You know, smile, just smile. And it's not that they can't smile, but it's interesting. Young kids have trouble smiling on command, don't they? They have smiles, but their smiles are always connected to real joy they are feeling. That's probably why a child's smile is just so precious and so powerful, isn't it? And all those poor photographers at Sears trying to get a young child to smile. <laughs> Take a little teddy bear, right? And there's this kid, tears, and I dry in the tears. Here's the teddy bear. This kid just like. And finally, the kid smiles because he sees the teddy bear. And then they blast that kid with that flash and take the teddy bear away. And the kid. Ah, but we got the smile. They try to create real joy because a smile will come and then click, they get it. Well, it can work the other way too. Joy is like a muscle and the more you exercise it, the stronger it grows, even if you don't feel it or feel like it immediately. So let's test that theory again this morning, whether we feel it or not with the, the holy, ruckusful exercise of our own, the 10 joyful commandments of Psalm 100, okay? And see if your spirits aren't lifted a bit. If, if, if you pour yourself into it, yeah, even in church. You ready? Yeah, you say ready. I've been standing here forever, Pastor. I'm ready. <laughs> I did it on purpose. I'm going to stand them up a while and get that heart pumping a little bit more at least. Okay. You ready? Ten joyful commandments of Psalm 100. 
Please repeat after me. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. Know that we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, let's pray. Father in heaven, through the Apostle Paul, you give us what seems like an impossibly hard thing to do given life's troubles and worries and the seriousness of it. When you tell us through the Apostle Paul to rejoice in the Lord always, oh Father, as we center on this often overlooked command, exhortation to rejoice, would you help us again to rediscover if we've lost it, to rediscover your amazing gift of always joy. Father, we love you. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. For the benediction this morning, if you'd remain standing and um, face each other by facing me in the middle, I'd like to just sing a brief chorus with you. I think it's one that you know. And it goes like this. The joy of the Lord is my strength. 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 Now let's sing it again. And let's use the word our in community. And like with that psalm, I invite you to Pour yourself into even singing about joy and acknowledging that it's in God. And see once, even in that little exercise, if it doesn't lift something in you or crack something open a little bit and allow God to get his pull for that exuberance to come out. You ready? So sing it out. Ready? The joy of the Lord is our strength. 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 In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. We'll see you next week.